0: Hello. Hello, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good, doing good. Close wonderful,
0: wonderful, wonderful. Yes. Uh, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, yes. <laughs> hey everybody, this is Keisha Lacey from the Random Horror Show. And we have a special guest. This is our first random horror chat. And of course, here at the Random Horror Show, where we film, commentate, being silly, and doing our But we the point where horror, science fiction, fantasy, and quote, classic, and the obscure movies, television, and books. And I want everybody to give a round of applause and welcome our guests. And go ahead, you take the floor right now.
1: Well, thank you. I can hear the applause ringing me in as we speak. Um. So yeah, I am. Uh, Elis Helmerson, the um, editor in chief for SwedishNerd.com. And I run Instagram um, account, as Swedish Horror Nerd, the TikTok account, a Swedish Horror Nerd, and the YouTube channel, as Swedish Horror Nerd. Um, so, and I'm here today to talk some horror with uh, Keisha here
0: yes yes i i'm i'm loving this i'm really really loving this i know we're gonna have like a really great time with this and we we love some horror <laughs> i'm doing a little we yeah. Love some horror. <laughs> yeah oh gosh oh i
2: man. currently
1: i currently have a new tiktok out right now it's uh it's not written it's not made by me it's made solely made by um a friend of mine out in Manchester, uh, Jack Barry. So definitely check that out on my TikTok account, Swedish Horror Nerd. Usually I write them and he makes them, but now uh, at this moment he wrote them as well.
0: That's cool. I I yeah, I do follow you on TikTok. I do. I do follow. I do follow you on um, on there, and um, Jack actually follows me now on Instagram. I thought that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I. I just came to a realization one day that my connection network is starting to follow themselves. Everybody's following everybody, kind and, of trying.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And that was that was my goal to try to connect the horror community. Yes, it had more.
0: That's the same way how I feel too. Um, just connecting with the horror community, and you know what? It's it's paying off. It really is. It's paying off, and um you know, uh, even like with me and you, how we connected, which that was like really, really interesting is because we joined like the uh, the horror hangout with uh, First Class Horror, you know, ran by um, Aaron. And,
1: yeah.
0: and, you know, we're on YouTube and we're typing and they're going on about like whatever movie they're talking about. And you came on didn't even know you from Adam, but you know, I was like, oh a Swedish horror nerd, cool, you know what I'm saying? And then yeah. when the whole conversation starts to roll in and I'm reading, and I was like, This guy is really funny. This guy knows his horror. And and, and that caught my eye um about you is that you you really do know your horror. Um, even down to producers, um the the stories the backstories um directors i mean you really impressed me with all of that you really did you made a really huge uh, impression on me oh thank you yeah yeah and and you know i always tell you like you're you're the coolest
1: <laughs> thank you thank you no um, i'm just i'm just a giant bookworm that loves to read and I, as long as i'm interested in something i can I remember it very easily, so it's, um, that's how I became, become, have become some kind of encyclopedia, I think. Um, but actually my first encounter with horror was, well, I did watch some horror movies like pre this uh, mm-hmm. event, but my first like real time I felt an impression on horror by horror was when I was reading uh, a fact book. Uh, about horror movies and uh, reading up on interviews and all that that was like my that was my gateway drug to horror when I was 12 just sitting and, and reading it was at a local library I just came across this book about horror movies and mainly 70s and 80s slashers but they mm-hmm. talked about all kinds of stuff but mainly that and it just interested me so deeply this 12 year old child Reading about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, and I there is there is a quote from and then there were none from 2015 that I like to use to summarize my feelings and horror. Where Mm -hmm. others were horrified, I was fascinated. I
0: need a I need to like really read up. Um, I used to be like an avid, I mean, I still read, and um, like you, um, my aunt, she was really huge, um, into horror, and she was she was older than me. She was more like a kid sister, but she, mm. you know, I had my memories of her. Uh, We're going to the video store and picking out horror movies. It was never nothing romantic or comedy or anything. It was just nothing but straight horror. And that was, uh, you know, around in the 80s. Um, My first horror movie that I watched was Dawn of the Dead, uh, the 1978 version. And um, I live right up the road from a cemetery. So oh. at five years old, yeah, at five years old, I'm having these bad dreams of the, you know, the dead people like from the cemetery coming out of their graves and coming attack, you know, attack us. And it would have like, you know, it kind of backed us off. You know, I kind of backed off a little bit from it, you know, at five. Um, but really, what um, really got me into it is um, I had a traumatic um, experience. Um, at six, of where uh, my brother and I were Europe, we're like thirteen months apart, and that's when Nightmare on Elm Street came out. Nightmare on Elm Street, Wes Craven. It was really huge, and I read the uh, how Wes Craven um, started up the character of Freddy Krueger because he seen this guy. He was like old and cragged, and you know, scared him. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah scared him around six or seven years old, and. Um, My brother and I, we shared a bed and my mom is telling us, y'all go to sleep? You know, we had school in the morning and we were talking, you know, just being kids and out from the darkness emerged this guy. He had a hat on. And so the lighting from the window, there was this tall uh, light post that shined through the window. And so we seen that shadow of that hat and this guy coming out. Um, out of the closet and we froze I mean we were literally petrified and we were just scared to death that like this guy could like kill us we were like we were that you know six and five years old and the guy jumped out the uh window and at that time when my mom came in and flicked the light she seen the guy run out the window scared the crap out of her and called the cops and, um, and and it was, it was from the hype of, like, Freddy Krueger, you know, that was really big, Nightmare on Elm Street. And then that incident, it was a robbery. And that scared the shit out of me. And I watched movies like that to deal with the trauma of something that I experienced, you know, at six years old. Um, the Boogeyman. It's like wow, the boogeyman just came um, off the screen and in yeah. our closet. You know, it was it was really um, it was really horrible. But you know, I had a very uh, rough childhood. Um, you know, I started reading a lot of Stephen King books, a lot of R. Kunt books, uh, a lot of science fiction and horror books, um, especially around in middle school, and that would made me cope with like bullying. Um, just 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 myriad of things of just you know just going you know throughout my childhood of what I dealt with and that was like my connection with horror is because of that uh, incident that happened to me at six
1: yeah art is usually it's it's a lot of times used to pro uh, progress drama like like try to make you feel better it's very useful at that and it's definitely i think horror is a great genre for channeling your demons for kind of doing a personal exorcism on yourself because it's darkness you this uh, horrifying event when you're six years old it left a darkness in you and you need to connect with another darkness to let that darkness out a psychological right. exorcism. I think would be a good, a good description. And it's a
0: good it's a good description. And of course, that uh had me in my gothic years, you know, like, oh, she's so goth. She hung out at the I used to study um at the cemetery. This old oh, the cemetery that I was afraid of at five years old, that the zombies are gonna come and eat us. I spend a lot of time um at the cemetery and you know i didn't have that many friends but it was um solace for me to like like you said it was a psychological connection to that to not with the darkness of just not being afraid of just really just facing you know your fears and i mean uh cemetery i I still like cemeteries i still visit the cemetery oh not as much as i used to but um but yeah like i don't understand why you know people like oh cemeteries are so scary and blah 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 and i'm like no they're not the people are asleep they're dead and, you know what can you do
2: yeah
0: <laughs> yeah but oh um, yeah. but yeah let's like like have you um seen the scream six trailer i mean have you like I mean like we talked about Scream and also um I wanted to touch on Scream 5. What do you think about like the Scream 6, you know, that's coming up next year? How do you feel about that?
1: I I am not I am not that I'm not I'm not that big into 90s horror. I seen the original Scream. I seen the second one. I yeah, I've seen the second one, but I'm I'm not terribly big into the Scream franchise. My my big franchise is Friday the 13th, to a certain extent, Halloween, and uh, and definitely my biggest franchise uh, that is kind of a slasher is Alien. So it's like, those are my golden boys in the horror genre. Um, so uh, I'm not, I don't have a huge opinion on it. I definitely have to... I definitely have to sit down and watch Scream Five mm-hmm. uh, solely thanks uh, solely because of Ready or Not. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed Ready or Not from two thousand eighteen, which was the the director duo's previous feature before they made Scream Five. Um, so that definitely has uh, has has me attracted to that movie. Uh, I don't know the. 90s genre my problems with 90s slashers is how there is a cinematography it's it's too light it's too i don't know it's it doesn't for me horror horror movies have to have a special atmosphere i'm very picky about that where like they have to look a certain way in order to i want that feeling of that look and the problems with the 90s one as i said too brightly lit it's uh, the worst case scenario is definitely Halloween H2O from 1998. I mean, uh-huh. it looks like Dawson's Creek, Michael's Creek. It's it's bad. <laughs> I don't want it to look like that.
0: I was never a big Dawson's Creek fan. I just didn't get the whole craze of the teenage, you know, young adult for I mean, and I, you know, I was around that time of when Scream, um, the first Scream came out. Yeah. Um, and, and I and I like Wes Craven, what he did, he did reinvent that um that horror of like, you know, like what you say, like the lighting. And you're bit and you're bit you particular about the lighting. Like you said, you want your horror movies to have like a certain atmosphere and lighting with it, and that is very important. Same with the music, um, just, just in and everything. Um, it did have, like, that feel of, like you said, Dawson's Creek, and, of course, the um, the guy who created the characters for Dawson's Creek, he curated the characters for A Scream, also. So you, you, so you are right, it does have, like, that teenager, you know, romance, like, bullshit, drama, like, you know, soap opera feel um, to it. But um, I thought like when I first saw Scream, and I was a little bit you know sketch on it because I'm just like, well, you know, I mean, yes, West I guess I get I take a stab at it, pun intended, and I liked it because it was different. Yes, you are right. The lighting um is is bright, and I feel like in a psychological sense, um you know anything can take place in the light as well as in the dark and True. i believe that what he was you know the lighting that he was playing with the brightness of it is that he was playing with that to let the audience know like look you think everything goes bump in the night is scary but check this shit out shit happens in the light too <laughs> it was, I, and i and i got that but um Scream five, it was a big surprise. I didn't care for Scream 4. Um, I thought this whole franchise just fell off. Um, I believe Scream 4 was the last movie that Wes Craven um directed before he passed away. Yes. And it, it it did, it just fell off um right there. Um, I didn't care for it. You know, I believe Hayden pin yeah, Hayden Panettiere. she played uh on the show years ago before the writer strike called heroes in is you know, the little, the little slogan like, to save the world, you gotta save the cheerleader. She was the cheerleader. She's played the cheerleader on that show. And it was a good show when the writer strike happened and then they all went back to work, you know, what was said and done, the show just fell off. Um, yeah. It wasn't exciting anymore. You know, I really, um, you know, I was like, oh, that's Hayden Pan, Terry. She plays the cheerleader. Um, mm. She did okay in that role, but I just didn't even like care for her character. I mean, yeah, um, Nev Campbell, who plays Sydney, uh, she was there, but it was just like, uh, you know, like, that's uh, another movie. Uh, let me go play Sydney. But um, Scream 5 or Scream t- um, 2022, um, I like it that they brought the legacy characters back. Um, Sydney, uh, I I'll, I despise this trope of, you know, the last girl standing, always like in horror movies. I hate that last girl standing. I despise the shit out of that. Uh, what was different about Sydney Prescott is that she wasn't the last girl standing. She was actually, uh was a survivor. And that was the difference of like, how you can compare um, Lori from Halloween to like Sydney Prescott. But even though like Lori, you know, played by Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween, actually started that you know she didn't know she started it but she started that last girl standing thing I think like both of them both the characters are very strong you know they're, they're vulnerable and you know you see everything what they go through like especially uh, dealing with murder and 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 somebody's coming after you you know mm-hmm. the, the psychological the, the trauma um the violence with it and it was, it's not more of like, well, she, she's, she's, um, she's alive because she wants to live. It's more of like, she wants to survive because she ain't trying to deal with this shit anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but I feel like this um, Scream 6 that's coming out next year. Um, I think it's like a torch that's passed on from the legacy characters to like the new Uh, Mm. Generational of horror um audience to like you know to keep the franchise going I like the freshness what they did um with Scream 5 I really I thought that was going to be stupid but it worked itself out and I was like all right cool (laughs) I'm game and usually if I uh watch a horror movie Mm. And I'm not screaming at the characters, and I'm not, and I'm not saying get your ass up, get the fuck up, come on, <laughs> you know. If I'm not doing that, then that's that's an epic fail for me. True. I gotta, I mean, you have to be really, really into it because if you're not, it just, you know, you just like, meh, like that. Um, since you like mentioned uh uh Friday 13th and everything. Um I I I I I I, I like Jason and I think like maybe like um after was it like Friday 13th, uh, New Blood. Yeah. Um that's where the girl she had the telekinesis powers and you know yeah. I I like that one. I like all of those up to six, um, and then you know it just kind of just just like man eh, just fell off. And um, I know when they came out with Jason X, and I like the um, the other one, our, the one with Freddie and Jason, and they had like this yes. big standoff.
2: I, I, Jason I, yeah,
0: Freddie versus Jason. I really like that one right there. Um, how do you feel about, like, the whole Camp Crystal, like, the Jason Voorhees character? I mean, he's a fascinating character. He really is.
1: I mean, he started out very much as a ripoff because Sean is, Sean is Cunningham. He doesn't care about anything other than money, and he's been very open about it. Like, he didn't, like, he openly says in an interview that uh, I saw Halloween seven, 1978 in the theater
2: Mm-hmm. Right after
1: I gave my co either, either co-writer or co-producer a call and said, "This is it. This is our cash cow
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, um, um, and so it it definitely birthed from a very stale money, money only perspective where they didn't have any idea for the character. And the lore doesn't make sense. What is, what is interesting about the Friday the 13th franchise, franchise is mm-hmm. the 80s movies, they don't make sense. They are, they are very weak in plot. They're very, um, very stale. They have amazing kills. Like, they always had amazing special makeup effects artists working on each movie. Tom Savini, Stan Winston, mm-hmm. um, John Carbicler, uh, mm-hmm. real effects all of these, uh, Brian Wade, all of these amazing special makeup effects artists. Uh, so, like, the kills are amazing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and all that. But it's like the story, the character, the acting, everything just falls apart. They have some great atmosphere shots, especially in part four. Mm-hmm. Because Joseph Ciro he, he knew how to put up a shot after all. Uh, but what is interesting about the Friday the 13th ones is... I think if it wasn't for that stupid legal battle, like Sean mm-hmm. S. Cunningham, seriously, my guy. Um, or I, I don't know the details. He might have some right in the matter. I don't know. But anyway, what it's like. what is interesting about the Friday the 13th franchise is the interesting ideas in the Friday the 13th franchise, they didn't pop up during its golden age, during the 80s, because... Like, the concept was very much the same. Kill sex, kill sex, kill sex, killer gets killed. Like, that's the idea. Now, interesting ideas are starting to pop up. And there's some really interesting unmade scripts out there. Where they really take a deep dive. And they, and they started that, in a way, in Friday the 13th Part 6. Because that's when the idea of Elias popped up, his father... And there are comic books about it. It's also very interesting. So after a while, interesting ideas popped up. But they have never, they've never really explored those ideas in, in the movies. And I think that's very sad. Because there, there, there was a scene in the script of Friday the 13th Part 6 from mm-hmm. 1986. Which, by the way, was shot in the same time town in Georgia. Where they shot Halloween 2. Uh, mm-hmm. Rob Som is alone, too, that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, there was a scene where Elias went to visit his son's grave. And then in one of the scripts in Freddy vs. Jason, where Kane Hodder was still intended as Jason Voorhees before he switched them out because he wasn't tall enough, according to the director or producer or both, um, mm-hmm. where he was supposed to play Elias. Elijah's,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so there is a lot of unmade potential with that character, but it is an interesting character, and yeah, I think you can do a lot with him.
0: You made you raised so many good points. Um, you know, with um how eighties horror was, gosh, especially with the characters, the characters were flat two-dimensional or not even no kind of dimension whatsoever like flat is this copy paper that i'm looking at from my (laughs) copy machine And, and, and it was right like sex kill sex kill sex kill it's like okay uh i i get the whole yeah that part right there but it just became so boring. It was just a free-for-all for like any horror movie because you had um, like you said, it was like that cash cow and all of that. And uh um, that's the reason why they start churning them out. Um, you had Sleepaway Camp, uh, you had um what's it's another slasher film um with like sorority house massacre. You had just a Crap load of like these same, uh, I, I call it just just box made like pudding made box, you know. You yeah. just pour, take it, pour milk, whip it up. There you go, you have pudding. It was like these movies back in those in the 80s. It's just, mm. it was just cop, you know, just cookie cutter. It was really cook, cookie cutter, uh, um, movies, yeah. and I, I, I it, and it was like when the uh whole like i remember at 10 when robocop came out and that is it's a, it's a horror like robocop is horror it's it's, it's a frankenstein movie and it was very yeah. it was it was sentimental and i in it won my heart because i would watch robocop every weekend that I ever get a chance yes it was rated r and stuff like that but um I would just watch it all the time because I just understood I was like dang I guess all these books that I read I just understand some subject matter a little bit deeply but it was just the subject matter of it and just you know you felt that um you felt it when Murphy you know lost everything and then he just like became like a machine for ocp but people really didn't realize that like he still had a soul um he still felt things um he was owned by ocp as just property uh it was just he was he was he was, he was like at these struggles because he was like am i man or i'm machine and um and i got that and of course yeah. me with being highly sensitive as a pisces and I, I cried i just cried i was like i've yeah. never cried at a movie like this at 10 of what you know just caught me in my heartstrings like that i mean i didn't understand about adult things but it was yeah. just the story that got me and I, I i loved it and that was like what i'm you know going back to the point is that it was just cookie cutter it just didn't have no flavor with it no um the the but you but you are definitely definitely right with the practical effects and the special effects
1: yeah it was the they golden were, age
0: yeah they were so awesome and that's what i was like dang you know tom savini you know tom savini is like the, the king of it and you and, yeah. and a lot of um and a lot of um great um for you know special effects guys too and you just, you, just, you just couldn't take your eyes off. And I believe that's what saved a lot of those movies that for people just to stomach through was the special effects.
1: Yeah, definitely. And what is interesting about Tom Savini is Friday the 13th Part 4
0: mm-hmm. was
1: actually, that was his first Hollywood movie. All other work he had done either in Jacksonville, Florida, Mm-hmm. or mainly in Pittsburgh Pennsylvania where his shop was stationed and where he lived. Right. And he was he was scared of coming down to Hollywood because and this is this is connected to the slash movies because this is how they were viewed very much. Um mm-hmm. uh, Friday 14 is very interesting because like people only saw him as the gore guy. All the other make a lot of uh, no I think all makeup artists in Hollywood to some extent or completely Looked down on Tom Savini. He, he wasn't seen as a real artist. He was seen as a gore splatter. And uh, in, in Paramount originally hired Greg Cannon, which mm-hmm. made it, which uh, he, he was a Rick Baker apprentice. Freshly oh. off Rick Baker's pro- projects. Like if you oh. were a Rick Baker apprentice or a Stan Winston apprentice or a Berman apprentice or a Chambers apprentice, like, you were a uh, god. You were the golden child that nobody could touch. It was kind of how it was viewed. I could be wrong to some extent, but I, it was kind of like that. So, he hired all of these uh, Alec Gillis uh, talks about it in, in, in an interview with Stan Winston School, uh, where Greg Cannon hired all of these guys, He young guys, that were like my age, like 20, 21. And uh, Kevin Jaeger, Alec Gillis, um, now Lost, but a bunch of bunch of young up-and-comers that are now like Oscar-nominated people with 40 years experience in the business or Oscar mm-hmm. winners. And uh, and then Joseph Ciro said, no, I don't... He said to Paramount, no, I don't want Greg Canham. I want uh, Tom Savini because he had worked with Tom Savini on The Prowler from 1981. And he wanted familiar people to work with. He didn't want a new guy. Because yeah. he knew that Tom Savini could do the work. So for some bizarre reason, the studio listened to Yusuf Could be the fact that they were, yes, they were coming out of the 70s where um, the studios didn't have a lot of leg up on artistic creators. Because mm. they were in a financial crisis in the 70s. So this was 1983. <clears throat> so I think they were, like, still recovering. So they mm-hmm. actually could listen to the artists and not say, no, you're having Greg Cannon. So, and peop- and the young guys that were hired were, like, when they got the news that Greg Cannon was now fired and instead Tom is brought in, they were very disappointed. And and uh, thankfully, after a while, they, when I they started to know Savini, they really enjoyed um, his, his work and working with him, he was a really nice guy. Um, uh, but like this plays into the bigger view of the Friday the 13th movies, Paramount was very, they didn't like having the Friday the 13th franchise, it was not something they liked to have. They they saw it as very a uh, degrading thing. Mm-hmm. The problem was, it was cheap to make. And they mm-hmm. it made a lot of money, so they were in a predicament. We're like, okay, so you are like this classy studio with this sleazy franchise, and what do we do? So they wanted to kill kill um, kill off Jason, but it made so much money they couldn't. It just kept going, and um, eventually they sold off Jason in 1990. Uh, but uh, like. For the big companies, like the main slashers that were made during the 80s, and you you have two different eras there. You have the golden age of slashers starting in October of 1978 with Michael Myers' Halloween. And after that, over a hundred of these slasher movies were made throughout that period, up till the summer of 1984 when it ended with uh Friday the 13th part four uh and um and nightmare realm street and nightmare realm street was not it was an end but it was also a beginning
2: mm-hmm.
1: where it um it it kind of started to bring in a new era of slash movies where the movies could get weird and you see that in Friday the thirteenth part six um where they got weird with that movie. He's a zombie now. It's wacky. Uh, it's not as like the movies didn't after. Uh, Friday the Friday 13th is interesting because you can kind of see a uh, uh, timeline here
2: mm-hmm. of
1: how slasher movies were viewed and how they were used. Like when you get into the 90s with Friday the 13th, you can't really use it that way. But with the remake, you can use it. So, you have the golden age 80 to 84, where like they were just spitting out this thing like, you get a slash movie, you get a slash movie, you get a slash movie. All of these movies were made by sleazy, low budget corporations that like they didn't care about anything but money. And it's uh, a lot of these have very sleazy, sleazy, um, set stories and. It's no surprise that from this world was where the Weinsteins were birthed. They came from yeah. this world. Yeah. And so, but then 84 after Nightmare on Elm Street and where, like people were just getting tired of these cookie cutters movies. Yeah, like some of them, like Friday the 13th part 4, they were making money, but they, mm-hmm. it's very stale at this point. Like people have seen it a hundred times, literally. And um, so time to get weird, time to have a telepathic, telepathic girl and time to have a sum, jason time to have a jason on a boat in uh, vancouver new york city and all of that stuff yeah. <clears throat> and then in the 90s 93 they got even weirder when they were bought up by new line cinema and they tried some weird spirit googlug because the Slasher movie era was dead. Nobody wanted to see slash movies, and that was the case until 96. And I would definitely say that Freddy vs. Jason is the last of what I call the Dawson's Creek slashers from 96 to 2003. Brightly lit, everyone is too pretty, it's all fluffy, it all it all looks like a cotton candy movie that just disappears in your mouth or in your mind. And then you have the remake in two thousand nine, and that is very much like the, now we are in Michael Bay territory. Now it's more gritty, but it's also oversaturated. You know, in a way that everything is like everyone is super pretty. He has he has some kind of way that all of his even even though that movie was only produced by him, all of his movies that are produced by him, mm-hmm. or not all but a lot, they have like this look to them it's, it's it's almost too cinematic it looks good but it's almost too cinematic yeah. so you had that style and that was very prevalent and of course you have Jason X which is like it's own weird thing where like direct to video garbage wanted to go up in space <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah i I seen that Jason X. I, I couldn't do nothing but laugh I I mean it was the same thing, uh, with Leprechaun. You yeah. remember when the Leprechaun when went up in space? Oh uh, darn! I have like all the Leprechaun series, and I was like, I need to rewatch these Leprechaun movies. But that was you know where you had uh, Leprechaun in the hood, then you had Leprechaun in space, and you know it just gets really ridiculous, like just every year when they throw out, you know, some, um, you know, supernatural horror character. Um, And what she was saying about New Line Cinema and what she said um, about Nightmare on Elm Street, New Line was not as big as Paramount, but- No, very small. Yeah, but it started up with Nightmare on Elm Street because I remember New Line having Nightmare on Elm Street and a couple of other films, but you know you don't you you had like those um, smaller uh, you know studios like them to like have horror movies, but yeah, I mean totally, you know it just did it just got really weird um, with it. Um, it was just like you know Jason just didn't have no rhyme or reason, and you write, right the whole um, story of his mother and camp counselors it's just really stupid um i was actually born in um 78 march of 78 uh, before halloween um came out in november uh, I, I i think that's i was like man that's a special time <laughs> you know michael myers and um i showed i showed my daughter the the you know original halloween movie and she's like, man, that is the scariest shit I've ever saw. I'm like, yes, it really is. I'm like, it's still, and it's John Carpenter. And I and I love John Carpenter movies. Um, they Live, that was a really good, it was, it's, it's a corny science fiction, but the message in that movie uh, really is relatable, especially with social issues and social um, things that we're dealing right now. Um, yeah. I do like it when um, the horror directors do take different venues, just like not just from the same character. They uh, branch out to do something a little bit different from what they did. Um, you had Wes Craven who did um, Vampire in Brooklyn. That was just the cheesiest B-movie, but I loved it. And he, he did. He kept it in the B-movie range. Um, he did Curse. And, of course, you mentioned the Weinstein. yeah yeah wine yeah wine fucker wine bitch fucked his shit up he had a great script and the guy who played billy loomis in Scream, Steve ulrich was going was in this movie and they filmed it and it was a whole different storyline it was great
1: yeah it's and, it's famous
0: Yeah, and they like just literally just changed the story. They changed everything. up. Wes was like, I'm done. Fuck it. You know, I just get my money. I just don't want to be a part of it anymore. Yeah, it has something of my name of sort, but you know, Weinstein just like they just really just asked that movie up. And it would have been a great werewolf movie on Wes Craven. Um, another one. Is people under the stairs? It's a '90s horror.
1: '91.
0: Yeah, it is so good. And, yeah. Yeah, and um has um two actors that played on Twin Peaks. I remember them. Yeah. I used to watch. Yeah, I used to watch Twin Peaks. You know, when it came out in '90, you know, David Lynch. I love you know some David Lynch movies also. Yeah. And that was the that was the craziest movie, but it, you still had like that scare. You know, of that movie, and, and you had those two people, and I'm like, you're already played great, crazy, you know, eccentric characters on Twin Peaks. You know, what better, you know, movie to put both of them in there? Um, Tom, what's his name? Tom Everett. Yeah, Tom Everett. He was the werewolf on Stephen King's Silver Bullet, too. I said, yeah. Good one.
1: Silver Bullet. And yeah. now, yeah. It's just kind of an interesting connection because uh, I thought of because Silver Bullet, Scream in 2022 and uh, Dawson's Creek were all shot in Wilmington, North Carolina.
0: That is correct. Uh,
1: But but, what is interesting about Cursed is they have talked about releasing Craven's original cut Mm -hmm. uh, before Harvey Scissorhands got his hand on it and and Harvey Weinstein did you know that uh, because this happened with the Galmero del Toro uh-huh.
2: on
1: Mimic from 97 he sold the script <clears throat> to Weinstein and he made it under Weinstein and he Harvey Weinstein of course he wanted to change it because he he was a true fascist in that sense that he wanted to control everything. Mm-hmm. Artistic liberty didn't exist; doesn't exist in his mind. So, um, and G-Golmero, Golmero del Toro uh, is good friends with uh, James Cameron, and James mm-hmm. Cameron almost went in went into a fist fight with Harvey Weinstein over that.
0: Holy crap! Yes. Oh, they were for the nucking buck. There was like call crime boss, and <laughs> they, they were James Cameron and Harvey Weinstein. Already yeah. nucking buck. That's, that's fucking awesome right there. That's I I, I don't blame them.
1: No, I, and I mean, I mean if you if you count out the pervert part, which is kind of right. hard, but if you do, like there's not too much differences between Cameron and Weinstein because. Because Cameron is—he has that same mindset of making a movie. There, like, no, I'm not a flawed human being that needs help occasionally. I am a god. He, he's—he just has this. I'm sure you know this. This reputation of more or less being tyrannic on his sets sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read that that Cameron can be a bit of a <clears throat> an asshole and like and then that cute, that huge ass ego of his. Um and you have actors like man Cameron is so hard to work with you yeah. know but they get the job done and then you know and I, I kind of feel that you know just because he's the director, you know, they're in his movie. And I feel that actors when they're doing interviews or articles, uh they're just trying to like not row Cameron up under the bus to like not let everybody know like look this dude is a straight dick um yeah. I understand that uh you want everything to go perfectly uh one thing about perfectionists is that you know there are a lot of times they're wrong Because once you start being a perfectionist, I mean, you just think everything is supposed to be so perfect. Even if you have it perfect the second time, it's just they don't allow themselves to like see it like that. It's a yeah, it's a a, yeah. I I was like that once upon a time, but then I was just like, you know what, I'm human, and I think that's what Cameron is not looking at is that these actors Mm -hmm. are human. Everybody is on you know on the crew, everything else. you know he gave us avatar avatar is beautifully visual
2: mm. it
0: is but the yeah. story is mediocre as shit yeah it it is it is mediocre as shit um my son and my daughter they acted up the, out the whole parts of avatar it's like a yeah. kids movie to them and yeah, and, 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 and I know they're coming out with another Avatar movie, but you see how long that was. Do you know when Avatar came out? My son was two years old. That movie kept him in trance at two years old because of the bright, pretty colors and everything.
2: Yeah, and he's like,
0: 14 now. And, it's, it's, was, and, they're, and they're taking very long to make an Avatar movie that damn long?
1: It's, it's Cameron. He's like saying, the technology isn't there. For my vision
0: oh oh oh, the location location person you know shit. you didn't pick the right location uh uh, for this you know uh, i can i can see that from cameron i can see the 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 wrenches and crap that he will throw at people just to have it so perfect oh my god that dude needs to pull the stick out of his ass
1: that will that will likely never happen because the, the sad thing is, like, I mean, you can change at what age he is. He's 68 now. And, oh, like, you can change at that age. But it's really hard to change once you're 68. It's more likely when you're, like, 20 to, like, have those revelations and all that. Um, yeah. But, I mean, when the original Avatar came out, I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will be 21 when a new when Avatar 2 comes out. So, yeah.
0: That's a, that's a very, very long time to, uh, I mean, they should have just like followed up like within three years, like at least like in 2005, 2006 for like people to still like remember and like, oh my God, I can't wait. Like Avatar, you know, man, it's been like three or four years since it came out to like still like have that love and that hype for Avatar, but then you're taking it like a decade or something. I mean,
2: you want to,
0: Oh, I I was just just saying, like, do you think the audience will be excited?
1: I don't know. This is, I mean, it's risky because he, the madman has been shooting these things since 2017 and he will be shooting them until next year or in two years so 7 6 or 7 years of non-stop shooting these things it will be four movies coming out this year 24 26 mm-hmm. and 28 when the last when the last one come out i will be 27 years old which is insane to think about
2: exactly anyway,
1: so and and what is even more insane is that in part of uh, Four, he said an interview in part yeah in part four that comes out in 2026. Um he has all he shot footage for that movie in early 2020 because there are children actors that he, he that he feared will grow up. So at this premiere in 2026, you will have someone that is like 17 18 years old and mm-hmm. in the movie is 11. hmm <laughs> it's at this point i mean <sighs> i i can't even imagine spending seven years on no wait if you if you go the entire length 11 years on a project right it's Insane! 11 years! I I can't even fathom 11 years.
0: Me neither! That I mean in 11 years you should be- uh, There's a lot of things that happen in 11 years! Much less this guy just sitting up- Oh, we're gonna have the- We're gonna have the, have the, uh, gonna
2: have the perfect- uh,
0: The child after the- uh, oh my! oh my gosh, I mean- with Stranger Things, at least the Cohen brothers, when the kids started to grow up, I mean, they changed the storylines with it, but they still kept the same.
1: Hello? Was my internet that decided to end the day? Perhaps. <laughs> uh, there we go. Did you hear me all the time? What was that? Did you hear me all the time? I don't know, my internet just crapped out or something.
0: Oh, crap. I can hear you right now.
1: I can hear you too perfectly. But anyway, so we were talking about... Uh, at some point in human history, 120-year-old James Cameron making Avatar Part 20 uh, on March, produced by Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, that are now cyborg aliens.
0: <laughs> Just like the uh, the Fast and the Furious movies, there's going to be like Fast and the Furious 22 when they're going to go up in space and you're going to have this whole... Um, Star Wars type thing where they're fighting for they're the rebels and there's the an Empire of course yeah. you know with Elon Musk Space um, X going on it turns into the Empire um, then you're going to throw some Doctor Who into it with the uh, the uh, secondary characters where they get lost in this timey-wimey of everything yeah. and, and, and you know Doctor Who is like actually helping them uh, you know and then and then Dom, he's gonna become like Space Jesus, and then we're gonna have like that that bit of that uh, Prometheus.
2: Uh, yeah. James Cameron like, A- God now. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's 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 how like that is actually how like all the Fast and the Furious franchise movies are gonna turn to, you know, Avatar, Avatar movies. movies. They're 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 just keeping they're just keeping it alive as much as they can. I mean, yeah. Woo! Did you
1: know know that scientists are currently trying to figure out ways to grow human organs so like if somebody have a heart attack it's like yeah we have a new heart ready to go you can put him put in him put him in the person like there we go out that is like the medical future they want from this vision and um so i just imagine in like 50 years, they will have Fast and Furious part 40, and they'll have like a hundred and thirty-year-old Wind Diesel. And he's like, Oh no, he's having a heart attack. Get him a new heart. We're growing one at the moment. They will just start growing Wind Diesel parts to keep the franchise alive. He will be a human zombie. He will be Robocop, but organic. <laughs>
0: Then he might turn a little bit evil like his character,
2: Riddick. Yeah.
0: Yeah, 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 because he let the dark side take over him, too. (laughs) From this new grown heart, this new organic grown, this non-GMO heart that that's going to happen to Vin Diesel. Yeah.
2: Like, (laughs)
0: okay
1: yeah uh-huh. but but if you go down that rabbit hole just yes, for a second like so scientists are currently trying to figure out ways to grow human body parts for to rescue lives so and there was actually a scientist at harvard that managed to make a fish like not mm-hmm. a sentient fish but like it could swim out of human heart cells he grew it like a functioning organism and so they're pretty close actually they're it's it's far from perfect but it's closer than you think of growing human body parts and to the point where us humans can function as starfish and like yeah it's amazing that we could potentially eradicate heart disease from humanity with this concept but I'm just thinking like I just know that we're gonna get so weird with that concept once it's perfect it's gonna get freaky as shit like it is and at the same time elon musk is trying to figure out the way to download human conscience as a pdf file so like it's gonna get real freaky real quick pretty soon they're like Honey, I don't like my body. I'm going to go and shop for a new one at Amazon.
0: That is some ghost in a shell type. I, I, yeah, I read that and my cousin brought that to my attention. And before we um, get into that right there, we're going to go ahead and like take a break and stuff and we're going to like come back on that right there because. Woo! Yeah. I was, I couldn't. I was just like, "Whoa! Are you serious about the?" I, 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 I'm. I was totally blown away. But uh, yeah. we're gonna come back. We're gonna like take a break, and then we're gonna come back. All right. Yeah. So, I, yes, <laughs>
1: we're back. We're we're talking about future. We're talking about in fifty years when. Elon Musk and a Harvard student have found a way to merge Win Diesel and James Cameron into a sentient being that is Skynet. And this thing uh, is unstoppable. It's an unstoppable force of ego. And that is how we will eventually live in a Marvel comic book. I'm here for it. I have accepted that reality can be changed by creatures that are descendants of chimpanzees. Nothing makes sense, and the world isn't meant to. You
0: just pretty much just summed that up, man. You just
1: yeah, it. I pretty much summed it up.
0: But you, you really did. But yeah, the, the whole. The whole stuff chip in the head brain we can download everything like on ghost in the shell um uh, i feel that is the most dangerous thing in my opinion it is. Most dangerous thing that mankind could ever do to destroy its own self and humanity um i feel that is the is a really it's really bad because if people start to Feel that is the much easier way to connect just not only just the internet but to other people what makes you think that people can actually do crime you see what i'm saying it opens up that door crimes
2: yeah it's
0: you can you can literally kill somebody or you can frame somebody for murder yeah and I don't, and, and, and in my opinion, I don't think a lot of people, a lot of human beings are smart. I don't, we have no, no. at that, we're still barbaric as shit.
2: We, we are.
0: We come to like having much less, like maybe not even close to like a 10% of critical thinking for ourselves. What makes you think that? I mean, I love um, Elon. He has great ideas. He's, uh, you know, definitely um, a, a pioneer of what he does. But this chip in the head, downloading stuff, this is is, is dangerous. I don't think a lot of us um, on this planet um, are still not very connected with our humanity. And I believe if we're going to do something like that, is got to be, like, connected to humanity. I'm sorry, it's like... And mm-hmm. I don't think that's not I don't think that's not going to happen. Maybe like after me and you are super dead, like within hundred to two hundred years. Maybe um you, I'm I'm a big Star Trek fan. You know maybe you know we have somebody that has like uh, uh engine propulsion and, and science like advanced science, and then you know we have aliens like the Vulcans that yeah. <laughs> landed. There's got to be like a World War Three, I believe. We're not gonna. We're not gonna. We're not gonna have that. If we do, it's gonna be way, way into the future. Um, but a lot of us humans really have to get our shit together. It's, it's- we
1: do. We do. And we we question why, because I I'm a firm believer in, uh, spiritual realms, in other worlds, nor that, and. Humans always ask, like, why, like people that do believe, like me, in that stuff. Like they ask, why don't they contact us? I was like, hmm, I wonder why. I wonder why. Could it be because they see us as like, nope, that ain't happening anytime soon.
0: Right. I'm the same way too. I I've, I'm really big um, on a lot of spirituality, and it's oh gosh, uh, I can go on with that right there. Me the, too, me too. The rise of all of this, uh, you know, I do also do tarot readings, but uh, a lot of people do all this tarot and, you know, I'm an empath and I can sense your energy and and um, there's people out there that actually use uh, the whole spirituality uh, inter-dimension, you know, uh, you know, mm. philosophy and things like that yeah. as scammers and manipulators and they see that as a big cash cow and it is, it's really, really very It is
1: a math really cash common. cow. It's
0: a, it's a trend but one thing that they don't understand is that this is not a trend. Um, no. It isn't and um, my background is that I grew up like very strict Christian all of that but I knew something was different with me. Um, and it, it's a little strange because there's mm-hmm. that I noticed about myself. I'm, you know, a bit clairvoyant, um, of course, I'm highly sensitive um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: to people's energy, how their reactions and even just reading like their body language it, And it, it, it caused me to be um, an outsider to, you know, and, and I'm just like, I can't, you know, you have that feeling like I can't be around this person because something about this person is sinister. Or something about this person is really off. And
2: mm.
0: um, A lot of times that has helped me, but a lot of times I ignored it because I didn't know uh, about that about myself. Mm. But um, I went to, I took a Reiki class, Reiki healing class. Um, there was four of us. Two of them was just actually in for the trend and there was mm. one lady that um i connected with because she was there because she has it and i mm. i automatically seen that in her and i think with the whole uh spirituality thing it's going to come to an end um i it, it's always like when something is trending and somebody and they just take it and just bastardize it mm-hmm. it's, it's it's like they don't they don't respect the origins of it like uh like i said i'm into hoodoo but hoodoo yeah. is actually uh it's like a bloodline thing and like i get that from my grandmother and it was you know for us like in black um american um culture especially down in the south that was a practice that was like from the african diaspora you know the um you know with the dorba yeah religions and things like that what they brought over and yeah. that was a way of for them to connect of all the atrocities that was happening and that's in my blood and so yeah. when i start seeing that from my grandma she would do things like she would put red pepper at the door she we had you know they have a horseshoe over the door, um, there was things that she did, and I was like, you know what? I understand what she's doing, but what is she actually doing? That looks like witchcraft right there. But a lot of times they had to use that background, like, yeah, I'm a praying woman, Christian woman, to like disguise of the hoodoo that they've been learning and knowing and everything mm-hmm. else. It was actually on both sides of my family and you know and i'm very proud of it but you still have people that think it's evil um you know uh, uh it's not about god you're 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 worshiping the devil
1: everything you don't understand is evil that's the basic human principle um, It
0: is.
1: and how i see it is i i started to like because i like to look everything in pattern and i discovered a few patterns
2: mm-hmm.
1: and one pattern i discovered is why is there why is creative people and 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 people with brain types that are more likely to be, become creative
2: mm-hmm. why
1: are those people the people with prophetic dreams and people that can sense energies and all that stuff like why is that like okay is is it because they are creative and it's all it's all like in their head like no they they believe it too strongly I don't think that's the case. What I what I'm thinking is that all of us human beings have like a Wi-Fi link to the spiritual multiverse. We all are connected to it. Like because our brains are computers. So if our brains are computers, why can't there be a Wi-Fi in our brains? But connected to the spiritual multiverse. And it's um, so and I think that. Whatever part in the brain that fuels the creativity, the n- whatever neurological part is fueling that, that is the part where like the Wi-Fi transmitter, where 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 like that transmits out to the multiverse, and so I think it's just higher neurological energy in that area that allows the Wi-Fi transmitter to be stronger.
0: Yeah um we call that we call that download like um you know um spiritual downloads. yeah and it's and you and you are it is it's, it's actually it is kind of rooted um in quantum physics too and that's something that i I'm think learning.
1: everything is rooted in quantum physics
0: yeah i'm reading up on that right there on quantum physics i know just a just the basics of it but not just just all in it like i'm in you know junior year of college but mm. just the basics of it and um, like you said the the whole the patterns and there is this there's so many patterns that um a lot of times people don't even like notice it and then of course we have so much stuff that's going on and guess what? Like like you said, our brains are like a computer, you know, like a Wi-Fi. We're all connected to like those other realms and plus this yeah. realm too. And guess what? It gets clogged up. You know, nobody's uh, not cleaning out the history. You're not the cache.
1: <laughs>
0: you, no. you know, you're not updating. You're not updating your system. And that's the reason why a lot, and then you get slow. And sometimes, you know, you may have to reboot um yeah that's the reason why you have like so many people that's in the dark but then you have people you know uh I, you know the conformist people I ain't nothing wrong with people being conformist mm. but those people are, are very terrified because um they had those dreams they had those talents you know and everybody's talent is different every, you know and things like that yeah but you had somebody long time ago who told them that they can they couldn't be that or they can't be that creative. Yeah. You know, you suck, you know, you're not gonna make it, you're gonna be um um subpar with it. And and in it is this part of like environment and culture and of course the people um that you're around. Um yeah. some people that do are still, you know, like myself and you and, and you know, many others out there. Um, have heard so much backlash from other people that uh, try to make us feel like uh, uh, we're crazy or, or, or you're, you're, yeah. you know, you're an idiot or you don't know what you're talking about. You need crazy pills and you need to be locked up. And, um, mm. you know, some, some, some you know, you may have some type of disorder or whatever. And, and it's, you know, we have to like push through with that. And yes, it hurts our feelings because, you know, we want to share that with people, but you have people that are still in the dark about things. There's still people that have a fear about stuff. They will cling on to, um, I mean, this is what I look at it. If you believe Mm. there is like a God, a Holy Ghost and all of that right there, what makes it so different from what we were just talking about?
1: Yeah. And
0: How come you're not open-minded to that?
1: It's a good question. And, the, and that goes down to chaos. Like, I have no proof. I have no evidence. Like, it's just theorizing based on mainly witness events and what paranormal researchers, Bigfoot researchers, UFO researchers are talking about based on their research. But, like, what I've come to the conclusion of is that the spiritual multiverse is insanity. It's chaos. And we don't want chaos. We want everything to be formed in this nice little re- reality box. And I love the term reality box. Because I, I listen to, um, to all kinds of encounters with weird things. And I listen to an encounter. It was a lady out in Utah that had encountered a Bigfoot out in the woods there. And she said such a good thing about that encounter. It was Mm -hmm. so far out of my reality box. And I love that term. It's like... And and that's how I like to see it. Because, like, we we have this very conformist way of society, of the world, of our reality box. And then all of a sudden, like, you have everything figured out. Like, I know everything. I know all the answers. It's this, it's that, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, you're face-to-face... With something that shouldn't exist.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I mean... You you hear that all the time. Like what I'm thinking about is Bigfoot encounters. But you have like paranormal encounters. You have alien encounters. Where like... They're shell-shocked. They're like... I was face-to-face with something... That by all degrees... They, it shouldn't exist. It shouldn't be there. But it was staring me down. And I just came to this realization that... Okay, I... I had some weird things happen to me that I can't explain. I have a really hard time explaining them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have nothing like super incredible. But I started thinking like all of these encounters that are coming in for like all of these call shows, this podcast where like, and people can call in and most people do call in anonymous. It's Mm -hmm. shared feelings. Like there's thousands of them. Mm -hmm. Like is every encounter fake. And it's to the point where, like, they're so diverse in perspective of the world. It's biologists, it's artists, it's lawyers, it's court judges, it's sheriff, it's uh, it's police department people. Like, all of these different worldviews that are seeing the same things, and like that has me puzzled. Like, if only one of these are true, that means that everything of this is most likely true. And what that entails is terrifying in the sense that our view of reality is we don't have it, we have nothing. Yeah. And what what made me realize that this is most most likely interdimensional if it exists is an encounter from Sky, Skinwalker Ranch. And Skinwalker Ranch is very interesting. It has all types of encounters. Paranormal, yeah. Bigfoot, mm-hmm. and UFO, spirit I mean, all types. I mean, if you love paranormal, you can research it and find tons of stuff. Like, every area of things that are taboo, you can find there, taboo in our sense. But there's one encounter that I heard from there that, like, really messed with my brain. Like, how, like, UFOs and ghosts is already weird that that's connected. But this encounter was ultra weird. Mm -hmm. But there was a couple of researchers out there that was researching, and they claimed they saw a velociraptor and shot at it. it,
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. And I was like, a velociraptor. What kind of, in what world does these three connect? Paranormal, or four? paranormal, bigfoot, UFO, and velociraptor? Like. A Velociraptor? How? Then I realized it's all interdimensional. Like, it it most likely didn't come through fully because they shot at it and nothing happened. So I think what it was was a fingerprint from another dimension because I think the reason why these hotspots like Skinwalker Ranch are so active is because Mm -hmm. the walls between reality is very thin there. Um, so things comes through regularly. I think that's just... You have those hotspots where that happened. And I think it's just... There exists... Like Stephen Hawking said... Infinite universes. Like there's possibly a universe... Where dinosaurs still roam. And and like... They caught a glimpse of that universe... Out there. And it's, it sounds insane to say... Like, like these people caught a glimpse... Of a universe... We're just still dinosaurs. Like that's crazy talk. But if you look at the science, technically not. And that's 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 really interesting.
0: Uh, it is that is it is really interesting. Um I just don't think we're really ready for stuff like that and i no, do believe there yeah i do believe in like alternate uh universes and um realities is it's the mirror verse uh i was watching uh star trek discovery uh and um there was like this mirror verse yeah. Turan, the and then you have their uh star trek you know universe uh, the turan were more tyrannical they were vicious I mean, they were just they were yeah. ruthless and the characters that they met themselves from that uh Turan universe and they just like whoa you know how this is you know they just couldn't believe that that themselves could be like this and I think I was like you know that's maybe you know what we you say yin and yang the light and the dark uh, we yeah. all have that yin and yang, the balance of everything. Um, I believe in that, yeah. And I, I, I totally um uh, believe it. I have a dark side too. I was like, woo, that yeah. scares me, but <laughs> I was like, Well, I can, you know, I'm but I accept it, I really yeah. do accept it. And um, and the whole like paranoia um thing, oh my gosh, I mean, there's nothing around here, is nothing but ghost stories. Uh, my grandparents actually have a um, ghost that is that's been in their house for the longest, longest time. <sighs> Woo! <laughs> it, it, which maybe not be afraid of things like that because yeah. um, they're dead. They—they not they, they don't, not under. They just came through that that part of that universe. That they glimpsed. They're like, oh, okay. Let's like go through here. And in my yeah. aunt's room, it used to be this really, really cold spot. It was two cold spots in the room, and that's like how they he came out. It's one mm. by her rocking chair right by the window. And then there was one like by a um, an electrical outlet where her stereo was at. And you can her room can be very warm, like say like a seventy seventy one, seventy two. 71, 72. But when you go in those two places, it is basically like 60 something going down yeah. like I, it was super cold but you can't just tell in and everybody that because you know you know nobody's not going to believe it until no. they come in the house and we have had people that have spent the night there mm. and they would not come back anymore because of that ghost that was like roaming around in our house and have- it, my it's my daughter seen it my yeah. cousin seen it. it was it's like people in our family have seen it people that was you know family friends have seen it and yeah. so you know just come kind of you know, yeah i know like hello but it used to like watches when we we're in the kitchen eating and it will be in the living room and it will just be this big tall black shadow just sitting there just staring at us. And you know, we were like, oh crap, this is unnerving, this thing. And we're looking at the corner of our eye, and we see this shadow sitting there watching us eat. Yeah. And yeah. It, yeah, it 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 got a it got a little bit ooh, but like during out the time my uncle he passed away at the time, he he understood all of that and he was like, you know, one day if he comes through or whatever just call his name or ask him for his name and just talk, you know talk to him be friendly and when i started yeah. doing that i wasn't scared anymore
1: you you know what is, there is a very interesting encounter from uh the real life conjuring house yeah uh is there and in that encounter all the three sisters saw a ghost And one sister could only see the flimmer. Mm -hmm. And another sister could see the silhouette. Mm -hmm. And the first sister could see the whole man. And that kind of goes back to like... Like the... Variations of how strong is that spiritual transmitter in your brain. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: It's, It's... I think that's proof of that. If that encounter is true. And uh, that, that is really, really interesting that you have that type of ghost. And I heard those type of ghost encounters before where like people, there's, it's kind of like it, it's watching over them. And I, I heard of on a, one of those call-in podcasts, there was a, a similar uh, to you paranormal encounter where they lived in a house
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, where an elderly couple, uh, they wanted children. But he couldn't get children.
2: Yeah.
1: And the moment uh, his mom got pregnant with him, the house started to smell. That like it kind of yeah, I think the ghost smell is kinda of like that. Kind of sulfur-ish kind of smell. Yeah. And and so uh, he and like they put new wallpaper on the house, they like did a bunch of renovations, and the smell didn't disappear. He couldn't figure out. The day he was born, the smell vanished. And he talks about that from time to time, and especially through his childhood, when he was living constantly in that house, he could see it's the same way you describe it. It was like this man watching over him. And when he heard that story of the man that the, the Couple that wanted the children but couldn't have it, like he started to realize that like that's the old man that he his dream of this house having a kid in it is true, and he's mm-hmm. just admiring it and watching over him.
0: Has that's that's in that's really really interesting. Of uh, speaking of like how people be watch like ghosts and spirits like yeah. what. Um, I was uh, married years and years ago. Um, it was like not a good um, part of my marriage, noon, and I was very close. You know, it was mm. coming to the time. You know, I'm going a file for divorce and things like that. And I feel I feel that when you have spirits uh, that are watching you, even if you think it's like a relative that passed on, um, mm. especially when um, there's traumatic things or or things that are changing would you know i believe that we sometimes attract that we Um, do i think we do yeah and um at the time my daughter was 10 yeah she was 10 and she was getting ready for school um i you know i had like i mean i was going through depression and everything else and like i said this is like the end of my marriage and get ready to file a divorce yeah and she came in the room to say bye mama you know i'm going to school love you well she yeah. came in the room and she looked and she took off running she le- it, it, she left and, and she didn't say bye or anything else like she usually do i mean like she does um and she, years later, she said to me, she's like, mom, there was like this dead girl over your head singing. And she was mm. stroking your hair. And she was just making sure that you were you were good. She's like, at the time when I seen it as a kid, I'm like, oh my God, she's like a dead girl, you know, for my mom, a dead mm. ghost girl. And when she mentioned that, I said, you know what? there was somebody humming and singing over my head and i remember that and the little girl Mm. had this very soothing hum that uh, she knew that i was going through a lot of things um she knew that you know i needed it's like she was protecting me i mean she scared the half out of my daughter but she's like in a way, she's like, Don't worry, I got mom, you know, I got her back, <laughs> you know, <laughs> telling yeah. that to my daughter. But, um, but that, like, from that, she started seeing my uh, mother um, that passed away um, at school. Um, you know, of course, she was, you know, it, it like divorce does, like, when you're going through it, it does affect the children. So it started, you know, I had my mom, um, my mom was protecting her and she let me know she's like you know she's like granny used to come in my room every time hmm. you uh, my stepdad have an argument she come in and see me to sleep and I will go to sleep and she you know she um she was there for me yeah and she haven't seen her uh, she haven't seen my mom since she was two years old because she um, passed away when she was two years old hmm. and I just I bawled like a baby because I believe I knew, I believed that. She would not just come up and just say, you know, kids won't say things like that just to, you know, to an adult to say like, oh yeah, like I've seen your dead mom. But there, that was not her intention. She was like, look, I know it sounds far fetched, but your mother used to protect me.
2: Huh. There yeah. was a
0: dead girl over your head, making sure you're good. And she was singing to you yeah I, I, and and you know and my son the same way he sees um stuff you know he sees spirits and everything too i don't know right now because of a lot of teenage angst and everything else yeah is occupied with video games but uh um, it's it's like it's passed down to my kids through there they can see stuff like either they can hear it or they can sense it or they can see it yeah it, it's, 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 um, it's incredible. It but
1: is. It is. It's, a,
0: it's an incredible phenomenon, you know?
1: Yeah. I think uh, there's much to... Hmm? Uh, go on. What was that? Uh, go, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I was,
0: I, was, I was actually picking up something. It just sounded like I was going to, like, say something, but I was yeah. actually picking up something. No, you go ahead, honey.
1: Yeah, There, I have two things... Of personal weird encounters I have a couple but like there's two that I really can't explain like maybe three and one is of course it happened in this room actually and, yeah. and like it's and the reason why uh, why it stuck with me is because I stretched a muscle because of it but uh, mm-hmm. so anyway I this was 2017 I woke up And I um, rolled around in bed, newly awake, because I was sleeping head against wall. Like, Mm -hmm. I was watching, seeing the wall only. And then I rolled around, and I see for like two seconds, uh, what is called a hat man in in paranormal lore. Like Mm -hmm. a silhouette of a, a dark silhouette of a man with a hat. And I, I immediately like jump up, and I jump up so hard I mildly stretched a muscle in my arm. I remember, <clears throat> like that's that's one encounter I can't. And he just dis- it disappeared the moment that happened.
0: Oh wow!
1: And hope another,
0: hope your arm was all right afterwards.
1: Yeah, it hurt for like twenty four hours, but then it went away. Um, but and and another. Thing that I can't explain is uh, a little over a month ago, I was in a mild um, car uh, car accident where I hit that.
0: Um, oh, no. Yeah,
1: where I hit that at slow speed. It was nothing serious, but at slow speed, I hit. Uh, what's, it, what's it called? Um, the light thing over the streets. What is it called?
0: Oh, uh, the. the... Oh gosh. The light <laughs> the light pole. Yeah, I hit a light pole. pole. Yeah, you yeah, hit the light pole, light like street pole, yeah. Uh, I hit a street
1: pole because it was slippery. Um and um when I backed out my car mm-hmm. from the driveway uh when I was drawing out, I <clears throat> so uh my car is here and or oh wait, you can't see me. <laughs> Stupid. But anyway, my car was parked in front of... Kind of in front of my dad's car. But I was backing yeah. out. And, like, I, I'm skilled enough. I won't hit it. But anyway, all of a sudden, I feel this crash. And it rocked my body back and forth. And I hit my head on the headrest, I remember. Because it's like I was just relaxed, chilling in the mm-hmm. car. So I just it kind of rocked. It's like, oh, no, I hit my dad's car. I was like, okay. Because it, in my car reverse likes to jump out when it's backing up It's like was it reverse to jump up like no it's still in reverse it didn't jump out and didn't hear it jump out because it's make makes a sound where it jumps out so like, okay so it's not that Mm -hmm. and it was like a a smooth surface so it's not that either like that's weird so i'm i i become terrified like no i have backed into my dad's car i was like shit so i walked out that's nothing I had hit nothing, but mm. I felt an impact, a severe impact, a pretty severe impact that, sh- that shook my body back and forth. Yeah, okay, That's freaky. And then one or two hours later, I hit that telephone pole or light pole and I my body rocked in the exact same way and the crash felt ex- exactly the same. Yeah. I, I
0: think that's a premonition right there.
1: That was one of the freaky. I.
0: That's a premonition. I,
1: I don't think I've told anybody about that, but like. Uh, I I didn't even when I hit it. I was like I was just worried about about the car, because mm-hmm. I was fine. I didn't. So it was only the car I was I cared about. So I didn't reflect on it. But was like, it was the next day. I was like, wait, what did I sense? That that is one of. That is the most unexplained moment in my life because I can't figure out the way because the reverse didn't jump out because I would have heard it because it makes a loud sound or it does like surface was smooth. I didn't hit anything like that's the weirdest thing that has ever happened so far in my life.
0: I don't find that weird uh premonitions or deja vu. Are usually, I, I, it's just a just a signal that you already picked up from somewhere because time is not linear. Yeah, picked it up. I
1: think that's true.
0: And it, and it's and it's a precog of like, okay, this is going to happen. And then when you get in that situation of reality, when it's going to happen, you're like, oh snap! You know, you could either remember that and stop the whole thing to change it or you just ignore it and it just happens
1: yeah that, uh, I, don't, I don't find
0: that i don't find that to be i don't find that to be weird and um i don't i don't find that story to be weird or nothing like that that's i think a lot of people can um relate to that they just yeah. too, uh they they just can't um you know just just compartmentalize in their mind of like no okay you know how that happened uh you know that could not be right. You know, uh, you know they get to thinking like that, and so they just keep it to themselves. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think like I'm glad you're all right and yeah. everything, but yeah, that's a, a premonition thing.
1: Yeah, and faci- it's, it's fascinating. It is fascinating, and I have a, I have a friend that, like, he had a similar thing, but in a dream. Like he had a dream where. He's, um, he was getting his hand opera- operated,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, he was awake during the operation, and next to him was his dad and two doctors, and then, like, two or four years later, mm-hmm. that happened in the exact same way. He had some kind of thing happen to his hand, so he needed a mild operation, and two doctors, dad, sitting next to him, and he was awake.
0: That is crazy. But yeah. I I but I like I I like to hear things like that, but also I believe that uh we are still afraid of things like that because of our perception of reality. And yeah. we're too scared, we're too scared to like open that up a little bit more. And I believe people start opening up a little bit more to it, it won't be as much like, oh my god! Uh, you know, you won't be afraid to tell people about mm-hmm. it or share your experience with uh, what happened to you. And, you know, you're not going to sound crazy. I believe, yeah. and, and that's just my take on it. People just need to open up that there's more than just that 3D world that we live in. It's four and five you know... <laughs> here it's 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 multiple it's infinite it really is it's infinite and you know like they say in the bible like how people percept uh, have a perception of angels and demons and etc but especially with angels uh you know we have like the image of the angels very beautiful and gorgeous yeah like that but if you read, like, old texts and how they described angels, supposed to be, like, with wings, with uh, seraphats, with, like, 50 million eyeballs and things like that. And uh, I I believe that would terrify the crap out of a lot of human beings. That's the reason why angels, like they said, will come in the appearance of, like, a human so it won't scare the shit out of them. Because if they Mm. come up with eyeballs and some wings and stuff, I mean, that's... That will just melt your brain.
1: It will melt you will your go, brain. You
0: will, you will go into madness. You, you will, your brain and everything else, your whole being will become into an HP Lovecraft story.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> there, there, there are there are paranormal cases, crypt, cryptozoology cases, where people have seen like insane stuff, and they're like, yeah, like no. Reality is screwed at this mo- moment, and <laughs> um, and like I like I I I have had those weird things, like minor weird things happen to me, yeah. but I can only imagine like people with severe paranormal encounters, like because when I when I had the thing with the car happen, I, I just realized like shit, like that's legitimate proof that what I my theories and all that I like to talk about that for me is a belief and not something that I most likely know is real. Like that's, I just got proof of that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And what that entails is insane. And and like, yeah, what people like live on these these properties with like multiple type of inter, interdimensional beings coming through, like what kind of world do you get? When you encounter these things,
0: yeah, really. Woo! speaking yeah. of interdimensional and interdimensional things and encounters and stuff, yeah. what do you think about the uh, series of interview with the vampire?
1: Series? Do you mean the interview with the vampire from '94, or what do? You...
0: No, the, right. they're, they're creating
1: a series on Yeah, animals. Yeah, that's right. Now we're... Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have now gone through God, Angels, James Cameron, Wind Diesel, God, uh, <laughs> potentially finding evidence for the afterlife. And now we're back to horror movies. Anyway.
0: <laughs> I'm telling you, this is why it's the random chat and this is the random horror show. <laughs> This has been the. This has yeah. been so much fun. We started it talking, really
1: like, the discussion started with Dawson's Creek, and we're now trying to solve the Bible.
0: It's like it got, it's got like silly, then it got deep, and then it got like extra deep. You know,
1: <laughs> I, 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 had a, I actually had a thought when uh-huh. we were at Dawson's Creek
2: uh-huh.
1: section, where like in the 90s, we. Uh, like teen, teenage shows for like Dawson's Creek everyone is very pretty and everything is like really good looking I, I haven't seen a lot of Dawson's Creek so I don't know what kind of subject matter they take up but I imagine it's not like the heaviest of heavy right no, it's, it, it,
0: no. it really isn't oh. and now
1: and then I started thinking about like a modern teenage show that's very popular is Euphoria and that is a dark show like, that brings up, like, men- severe mental illness in teenagers, drug issues in teenagers. Like, what it's like, what is what, what, what true life as a teenager in high school actually is. And the, you are,
2: been-
0: oh, in the
1: show, like, you're witnessing teenagers get threatened to death by their boyfriend that wants to shoot them.
0: I have not seen Euphoria. My daughter watches it. Mm. And I need to check it out because that what you just mentioned, I'm, I mean, I got HBO Max and I, you mm. know, I'm going to check that out. Um, Dad right there. I just got through talking to my uncle about like how serious this guy was in high school. I mean, he's in prison.
2: Mm.
0: He's in prison right now. He will not get out till he's 75 years old, oh, but wow. I told him how much he, was threatened to like beat me up and this is a guy and I'm like wow y'all you act like I'm like a dude or like we can size up and I'm I didn't understand his anger and it's a it was it's a lot of history behind that um but from that guy right there what I'm telling you about he used to she's an ex-friend but at the time we were friends in high school he would beat her and she would yeah. come to my house and yeah. she was crying um she tell me everything what he did to her and i'm like get away from him i was like i'm um this guy is actually my third cousin mm. and i was like get away from his ass like what the fuck i'm like mm. this dude is just just being an asshole and he he of course he comes from um two toxic dysfunctional parents too so it's like, I feel bad for him during that time in high school, yeah. you know, because it was, it was some things that one of his friends was telling me that his dad was actually shooting at him. He had to jump on the car for his dad not to shoot at him. Yeah. Um, it, it, it He had the most craziest, uh, toxic, dysfunctional childhood. Um, and his dad also beat his mother too. So there's domestic violence right there. And he was just monkey see, monkey do, as we always say. Yeah. Um, you see, dad was doing that, and you know he did that to her. Um, she, she, she got away. It was uh, very sad of what actually happened. He came um, to the college that she was attending. She was um, leaving out. He came up there with a gun. Um, it was, it was really. She had to go through court. Of, she went through depression and she has a son um by him also but he's doing very well he's a um he's a teacher um they both teach at the same school district but um it was it was literally hell and you know um and it all started from high school and there was a lot of people that's the reason why i didn't want to date in high school is because i was seeing this threatening violence you know from high school guys doing this to their girlfriends or you know you may be mm. that bookworm gothic girl and everything and you have yeah you know it, it was just crazy and you know that it caused me to be very mean to people i also bullied people because i was lashing out because i was very sad and you know you had teachers that seen things that was happening they turned a blind eye um i had two teachers that actually see what was going on um, they stood up and stepped up and, you know, you know, and defended me. And I I, I mean, I was very happy. And I had a couple of friends, um, not that many friends. I just decided I was like, well, I'm not done, you know, like, whatever. Y'all they're all pieces of shit, but I had mm. a few people defend me also. And, and it's, and I think that's the reason why my daughter likes it because she can relate to that. And she's seen that going on too. And it's, I don't, it, American high school kids have it so damn tough. It's not only just because it's crap like that, but you also have to like, damn, I hope somebody don't come and shoot up school. Yeah. I hope somebody don't come in and, you know, I hope a teacher doesn't try to like, uh, start having like inappropriate relationships. Yeah. That happens a lot with these, um, teenagers and um you know and, and they do they they get called oh you're a liar you're just saying this and you know yeah. it's not happening and then in reality when years come out those kids were actually telling the truth and I worked at a school district and whatever I seen with those kids seen I believed it mm. I seen that yeah. and, I, and you could and you and I can say as much as I can about such and such or this employee's Behavior, strange behavior, it would be swept up on a rug. It was, it was, it was nuts. Mm. I said, you know what? I'm putting in my resignation because it just seemed like y'all just don't, y'all don't have the welfare of these children. Yeah. They don't. 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 The adults fail them.
1: And like, I, that, that really. Like, that is a very international problems, And, like, how that problem manifests is mm-hmm. solely down to how what type of culture we are talking about. Like, in, in a Swedish school, you don't have the fear of school shootings because we have very strict gun laws. Like, we have a gun culture, but it's very controlled. Right. Uh, we do have knife attacks. In certain cities, a knife attack in school is a very real uh, pro- thing that could happen um, but uh, like it's uh, it's definitely turning a blind eye is is definitely a reality in a lot of school and I got to thinking on a story that my English teacher in Unaset which is mm-hmm. kind of Swedish equi- equivalent to high school mm-hmm. uh, told me where he he worked at this a school one time that it, it's it's a school that teaches uh, truck drivers that teaches uh, track um tractor operators and all of this like very a blue collar school
0: oh we and call those it, uh, vocational technical schools but mostly yeah, vocational yeah
1: yeah and in like these schools have a very specific culture where it's like it's, it's, you have to dress a certain way, like it's the standard bro hillbilly look, you can most likely fiction, picturing the right image, I hope. And like everything you, everybody uses tobacco, everybody drinks, and everybody talks the same way. And it, it's a very pressured culture. And he, and he talked about, like, uh, kids coming in the first year that were very clean and uh, when it comes to their appearance and when they're left they were like this bro hillbilly or maybe hill, hillbilly is not the it's the wrong term. Uh, yeah but I, you, you know what i what i get what i what i okay.
0: mean I'm, I'm gonna school you on that um you know since i'm like around redneck country we have country you know yeah. what you just that's actually country like a lot of people like you know spin tobacco gray blue collar, uh, you know, drink a beer, yeah. you know, and then you have redneck that's a little bit close with country, but mm. it's it's a little different, you know, especially has to do with, you know, Civil War heritage and junk like that. Yeah. And then you have hillbilly, where it's yeah. mostly taking place like, uh, it's kind of like the same thing, like country, not totally redneck, but like, mm. This is more like in the hills, and you know, yeah. there's a different part, like in Virginia Appalachian Mount. It just depends on what uh region in the South that you're in. I'm mostly like redneck and country culture in it, and then you got like uh, Geechee, uh I wouldn't say Geechee, but like in Louisiana, um, mm. we call it's a. It's not a very uh nice term, but okay. um. But it's called we call them coon asses. And so I know, right? If you gotta understand, like, but that's what we call Louisiana people. I don't call Louisiana people like that, but when you hear somebody, even from Louisiana people, they from they're from Louisiana and it's like, yeah, I'm a coon ass. Because that's normal. It's not like, oh, it's yeah. racial, but it's it's normal to hear that because that's what how's it been for like years and years and years. You know, mm. somebody that's from the country and, uh, you know, uh, hunts in the swamps and all that shit and catching mm. an alligators, you know, we call them coonags. You yeah.
1: know, we got country yeah.
0: rednecks and then, you know, you go deeper into Mississippi yeah. and Alabama, you still got like that uh, the... country redneck and then, you know, some parts of different places and then, you know, it goes up into the Tennessee, you know, yeah. Kentucky, it gets like country redneck then hillbilly so yeah it's, it's different regions where you uh yeah you have the, all that but I, i'll call them country that's that's pretty much yeah, like country
1: maybe. It the, the, thing, the thing is i it's that that solely was a language barrier problem i couldn't find a better term for it, <laughs> uh, it was Solely because of that it's like hillbilly is definitely a very wrong term to use for that type of people but anyway <laughs> to, to, to the point um like in this in the like in that type of culture racism is definitely a big problem casual racism is even a bigger problem um central rural sweden where i live is the cradle of swedish narcissism uh, the swedish narcissists Gnostic, like right? mm-hmm. yeah yeah i hope i pronounced it right uh it comes from here and it's it's it has a long history of racism um, to set the stage uh, going back as, as far as anybody remembers. But uh, so anyway, in the school mm-hmm. uh, was there uh, there was a black student
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he had zero friends in that school um, because he, he nobody wanted to talk to him. And so this teacher that told me this story, he said he went to the principal and said, like, we have this student here and that it's clear, like nobody wants to talk to him. Like, what should we do about it? And this teacher, he just said, like, but have you ever thought that maybe he wants to be alone? Um, So, yeah, that's that's a Swedish example of that that you talked about
0: think anybody does want to be a <laughs> so, no. I mean, you have to have like some interaction but a teacher I mean just looking at this cultural wise I'm like that teacher is ass wrong for saying something like that because he doesn't know that student. I mean have yeah. you it's like have you talked to the student? Did you and you know uh, did you interact with the student and Oh Lord, it's it's stuff like that is, you know, it, it you know, it's everywhere. I mean, even yeah. you know, in your country, you know, you live in a rural part of Sweden. Yeah. Um, here where I live, it's a little bit still a little bit behind, but it's a lot of uh, change that has happened. It just took a long time. Um it's just gonna it's more and you know, and then you know you have people like just throw in like you said, the casual racism, the uh, systematic racism, things like that, uh, I look at it like there is like, you have that half that does discriminate against somebody, the skin color, mm. uh, nationality, uh, ethnicity, you know, you name it. But a lot of that to- a lot of times it's usually somebody is just being extremely jealous of that person because they feel inferior um, to them. And they feel that like, you know, um you know uh, uh they shouldn't deserve that and i'm gonna go ahead and do blah 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 blah, blah you know i'm gonna yeah. call them out and then we're just gonna throw in like all the racial slurs and things like that and that took me you know a while to like uh you know to figure that out and and I have friends, like, you know, there's every nationality, everything else. My daughter, she's, um, she's mixed. Her father is uh, white. Um, you know, I was married to a black man and my dating, my dating is, like, very colorful and, you know, with my platonic friends and romances and things like that. Mm. But, um, you know, but that's, like, how I, like, want that life for myself because, i like yes i do notice color yes i do notice this and everything but to me that is so beautiful because i can like respect um people's differences and their cultures and things like that it just makes me want to know them more not just because of their culture and et cetera. Et cetera that's the bonus yeah. part but just know them as a human being and yeah, that's that just, to me that's just the beauty of like of how we are but you know some people just Touched in the head and slow as hell and everything to not get that.
1: Yeah, but. and it's and it, it's it's the same, like this. This goes back to our paranormal discussion actually, where mm-hmm. it's it's the reality box. Like you, I use the term reality box in a paranormal perspective, but like you can use it in whatever perspective you want because we want our little rea- little reality box, and like. It's you know in like if if I look at uh our, where I live, it's it's very common that like people do a similar trade um, that their uh, that their, their fathers or their mothers did. It, it's because it's it's they're stuck in this reality box. Like it's mm-hmm. it's not being able to create a new identity. Instead you can only base an identity. And like yeah. that creates bigotry. That's where bigotry comes from. Mm-hmm. Not creating. Instead, you're basing. Like basing after a while becomes very stale, like a Friday the 13th movie. I can connect. This- <laughs> yeah,
0: basically like you said, it becomes stale like a like a Friday 13th movie. It does. And a lot of times people uh, they don't realize that they are being taught like this at home, um, you know, by, you know, some parent or a grandparent, or, you know, a relative, and that's really hard for them to, like, dang, that's my relative, but dang, they're saying, like, the wrong crazy crap that I don't believe in, and I wish, like, you know, people didn't have to, you know, kids growing up and hearing things like that didn't have to hear stuff like that. And then when they get out there in the world and they start seeing something different, it makes them pissed off at their parents or whoever's teaching them that. And they're like, well, damn, you know, why you lie? Or they would sit there and let that uh, you know, that that brainwashing let them, you know, get to them and they start mm. to continue the legacy of that.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely, and- definitely, and it's. I think at a point you have to realize that you have to start creating. You have to start embracing other, uh, other, either, either identities or other way of lives, life. Because i It's. It's so. It's very important. Um, like we talk about biological evolution, but mental evolution is way more important. Actually, to discuss in a way.
0: Yeah, it, it, it is um this emotional intelligence uh I don't know if you know I don't know if we're gonna get to that point yeah <laughs> are we gonna get there you know you still have you know you still have people that are working on themselves working progress yeah. um things like that um you know you're 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 20 right you're gonna be 21 this year right yes. Of course, you know, they say that when you become a full grown um adult, mature adult is when you get to be 20, 26. That's when everything comes Yeah, yeah, it comes in completion right at twenty-six. But I tell you this right here, when you get to be in your forties, that's like actually from everything that starts at 26 all the way up to your 40s. I would say like 41, that's where everything that you learn and gain, you know, uh, you know, experience set things, goals and things up for yourself. That's like where you really become that really mature adult. You are like definitely an adult right at that time. And when uh i know people will say because i'm 44 and people will say like oh that's so old and and you they have like that that concept of thinking when you're in your 40s you're so old and i don't look at it like that i i'm still young i'm just a young you know middle-aged person but yeah there's a lot of things that I look back and I'm like, God, I'm so glad I'm not in my 20s. I hate when people's like, I wish I was still in my 20s. Me, I'm like, I don't give a shit about my 20s. I'm just glad I'm out of that because that's your period right there, your growth period. This is where you're finding yourself. This is what things like, you're like, ah, oh, everything is tall, topsy-turvy. And, and you start to learn about yourself and, and, and what you're all about. You know, it's coming together. And then mm. you have, like, 26 all through up to your 40s and stuff to, like, you know, really live, live. Yeah. And in my 30s, and in your 30s, you do. You you start, your um your mindset starts to change. It starts, like, you know, emotionally, it starts to, like, it starts to kick in. I would say it starts to kick in around, like, 29. It kicks in like that. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know it it just depends on people you know it depends you know it depends on the individual but um i think but you know i i I look and see like your generation you know you're you're around my daughter's age and i see like how much y'all are seeing so much clearer
2: Hmm. than it's due to the, the internet
0: yeah, cuz it's the internet, right, correct. And you know, cuz I come from generation X, I'm like in. I was like right next that age of like of the internet getting started. And I should be like more pronounced in it and things like that, but I'm not. I still kind of like operate like on I'm slightly more on the techno folk side, but I still have to have a I'll still want to have social media interaction and things like that because everything has changed. But yes, it was, was it a struggle for me to like really connect the dots? Sure. Uh, Because I was like, ah, you know, this newfangled crap and everything. But I was like, you know what? I got to learn how to embrace it, but also to be emotionally mature to like say, hey, this is enough. You know, you don't need to like fall down a rabbit hole with this. Um, You can use this to your advantage like as a tool and so it won't be so overwhelming on you and you can still feel you know you feel like you still live in reality where you're you know the grass is growing the sun is shining and things like that um yeah. and I feel that's a really good healthy balance um of that right there and um but yeah y'all your generation just definitely gets it and I'm like so proud of y'all too <laughs> it's like I'm so proud of y'all I mean there's things that when we were your age we had you know we turn a blind eye or we just kind of like uh you know um you know how this we're making excuses for other people for their Mm. bad behaviors but now y'all are like calling them out like it is Mm. and and even when we was calling people out of what, what the fuck they did and we're saying hey they're wrong blah 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 you know they want oh you're just saying that because you're jealous of them it that mm. was that uh you know they had a lack of the um emotional intelligence but yeah the brain wasn't connecting because around that age but now i see mm. that God are gaining a lot of that emotional intelligence and yeah. it, it, it just blows my uh it just yeah. blows my mind it really does i'm, I'm glad
1: yeah i'm, I'm- <laughs> Like social media and internet comes with obvious issues and you can discuss those issues for hours. But there is there is a very much a bright side to it. And the bright side is it's so easy for people nowadays to find their community. Because right. you don't get to, cho- to choose where you where you were born. Right, That's not your choice. That's someone else's choice. So from day one, your life is based upon that a choice made by other people for you. Right. And at some point you start making your own choices. And at that point you have to find a community at first and start making, like the big choice is finding your flock, finding your community. And then then there are all the other choices based on finding that community. And the, the great thing about the internet is you... You can see all the options now because now nowadays back in the day you could only see a certain the, the choices around you like if you never left let's say the state of Texas you, you never saw you potentially missed a lot of options of communities that actually showed where you were and mm-hmm. that goes back to at some point in your there's a point in your life where you decide, and that decision, yeah, you can take it back, it, it will become difficult, it's possible, but to, f- to clarify, like, at some point, you have to make a decision. Do I want to base, or do I want to create? And I think that is, um, like, that is the pinnacle of our human lives in a lot of ways. There are many pinnacles, but that is one of them, I think. Where like okay, so I want to create. Okay, so then I choose these communities, then I become a creative person, or I become this, that, and that, and or I want to base, like, okay, then I will like then I will take over my dad's workshop or whatever. And none of these are bad choices, they're just choices, they're just lifestyles. Yeah. And you can get stuck in the middle. You can definitely get stuck in the middle. If you are grown, if you grow, grown... I actually wrote a poem on this, where if, if you're grown up in a world where everything is based, a lot of people, a lot of stuff is based, if not everything. And yeah. the people that are choosing to create instead of basing are moving out to find creative, creating communities... You definitely get stuck, and uh, because and you can get stuck because you want to be a part of a creative creating community, but like the real life around you is basing community, and yeah. that can be very difficult. So I wrote a poem actually where it's about this guy that's walking a road, and he's the road is right between two worlds,
2: mm-hmm.
1: two different reality boxes, and one world is the basing one where everything kind of is a blob identity where like everything is based upon what comes but came before like what comes after is it's different it has new features but at the end it's in the core is the same and the other one is completely new it's only creating and it's completely stuck between this world and like oh and the my poem ends with all it takes is one step forward, one step backwards. You make the mm-hmm. choice.
0: Hmm. That's cool. Have you, um, have you ever, like, talked to people that feel like they are stuck, like, in uh, small towns or things like that or whatever?
1: I would view myself as that, as, as someone... Who is that? So I would say I meet myself every day, so here I am. Yeah.
0: Um, I know that that could be that can be like a horror movie for it's a horror story for uh, a lot of people, um, especially mm. where I'm at. And, and it's because they feel like they didn't have a choice because the choices was there, but it's just more the people that were raising them or around them just, uh, you know, on the account of didn't want them to make those choices for themselves. And Mm. so they're like stuck on this. They stuck. And so Mm. they did the whole, I got to get married. I got to get a job. I got to have, you know, kids and you know, by the time they're thirty, they're divorced and mm. they and they turn into an alcoholic or you know they get on meth. And, you know, it's it's yeah. things like that. But you know, uh, I had a conversation with my brother. Mm. I, he, he just let he just left and um I, yeah he's going back to Romania. And we had this conversation. And I was like, you know, when people are like in small towns like that, I said, do you realize that sometimes they Really do belong here because of how they are, hmm. and I said, and I said, and I, and, I, and I said to him, I was like, I know long ago where we were like, we could get, we could get out of this bitch ass town, and these people suck, and we we were like, that was that that was us in our twenties, and um, he left, he he lived in Houston and different other places. Um, he joined the military, and then he's, he got out and everything. And then, you know, the job that he takes, it takes him everywhere. And, of course, um, I left, went to college. Um, he also did, too. Um, you know, I went out to, like, venture out to Los Angeles. Um, at the time, I was a, you know, I, you know, I was a single mom also, you know, but hmm. I had somebody that was like, hey. I will help you, you know, like, come, you know, I'm going to help you and your daughter because uh, he was a nice guy and he just didn't look at it like, oh, she's just a charity case that has a, you know, small child. He just seen a lot of things that was in me that other people didn't see. And Mm -hmm. I had that choice of doing that. But at the time I was um, off and on dating with uh, my son's father and, of course, he got in my head and said I was this and that, you know, a mediocre. And um, I, mm. I wanted to like, and it was it was in the makeup, and I wanted to do um, special effects, creature feature makeup and stuff because of like Tom Savini and all them, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. I was, yeah, you know what I'm saying. I'm like, yes, yes, you know. That's how I looked at it because I had that plan, that future for myself. Um, I was at that two, that that road right there. Yeah. I was that road. So. I felt like, and I didn't see all that confidence in me at that time, but I knew I mm. had it, but I self-doubted myself, so I went that other path, and I got married, and, you know, I had my son, marriage wasn't great, um, <clears throat> you know, um, mm. divorce and things like that, and so when I went down on that other path, I was like, you know what? I can't be mad at myself, because that was an opportunity for me to be out there and realize my dreams and things like that i would have been fine me my daughter would have been fine but i took that other path and i was like i can't be mad at myself and i used to punish myself a lot because i didn't take that other road and so Mm. i'm still here you know in this area and i was like you know what i'm gonna make the best as I as best as i can and Mm. i started to do that and i have two businesses and um there's some other there's a new, another chapter in my life. I'm just going to let nobody know right now. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to take advantage of it. And and I'm going to do that. Because um, I don't have nothing stopping me. Only myself. You know, if I self-sabotage myself, then that's on me. But yeah. um, it's like another opportunity has come by. And you know, a lot of opportunities do not come by so many times. No. And, you know, you have to, you know, with that, that 2 road poem that you did, uh, it got me thinking about that, mm. and, um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm definitely taking that um that road right there, and I'm not looking back, and, you know, and I was not made for a small town. I lived in one, you know, raised a family in one, my kids went to school in one, you know, but it's it's not for us. It's great that we have that, that structure of that, but really mm. it's not. And it's more of like me finding my own tribe. It's more of, you know, I mean, I traveled a lot too. So that made it so much better and much easier on me also. Um, no i was like no nah, because we can't be around here no more <laughs> you know uh it's yeah. great you know people you know they. that's the reason why i told my brother the people who are here they are perfectly for here we have to have people like that definitely yeah but others that feel trapped or anything else like that i encourage them go do the best you can and when mm. you see the window of opportunity shoot your way out it don't matter if you're 50 or 60 or, or 30 or 21. Yeah. Do it. Just yeah. do it and don't look back.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, and I think that that will come for you. Like that is going to come to you Yeah, one day down the road. It is. I know we have yeah. like our private conversation. That is going to come down the road and I encourage you to just take it. Father yeah. Lord, the world is your oyster. Yeah. And go with it. Run with it
1: yeah (laughs) definitely definitely and i i talk in the the poem about uh uh, this this man stuck between these two worlds how he starts to see this world where he comes from as a Mm -hmm. shadow realm of shadow creatures with white eyes and they're these people were like like his community and now they're these terrifying creatures he can't understand why, and like if he steps back, he goes into the shadow realm. But the, and, and it's like it's for like the shadow creatures, if you want to call people that. Uh, it's like that's not bad life. Like they enjoy it as long as you're happy, do right. it. As right. long as as long as it's not hurting anybody and you're happy, do it. I should say. Right. Um, right. So it's like they're happy, but like you're you're not happy, because from your viewpoint, this call of the creating side got so strong that the basing side became a shadow realm of shadow creatures and demons. And, Mm -hmm. and, but the thing is, like, you can either just sit down and, like, vibe with demons and realize, well, it's screwed. I'm just gonna sink into this black mush. I'm gonna become a I don't know, a lacris chocolate. Uh, and, <laughs> and or it's a shadow realm. You can just put on a light or you can step out. It's hard, it can be really hard to find the light button or to take the step. It can be painful even. It's but it's possible, yes, because you step back into what is according to your worldview, the shadow realm doesn't mean you can't step out of it or light it up
0: right and you and then if you look at it from like that point of view, you know what in your poem that the guy is not very accepting of the other people because no yes, he doesn't fit in, but you like you said they're happy of what they're doing, let them be
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: and 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 you know you have I mean I, I felt like that like, you know, once upon a time, too, but I was like, what? Hello. Can you
1: hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Oh. I think that's the, the sign from the Shadow Realm that we should wrap up this. Because it's getting very <laughs> right I'm,
0: I'm deceased on that. The Shadow Realm says, wrap it up, B. <laughs> All right.
1: The interdimensional Velociraptor is talking to us through Bigfoot that my, may or might not be a symbol for a life choice in a discussion that started with Dawson's Creek.
0: I love how you linked all of that up. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. Well, um, thank you, Alice. Thank yeah. you so yes. much, Alice. You are a gem anytime. Anytime. Um, I know we had some technical issues last week and everything, but that's okay. We got it going. And I definitely, definitely enjoyed this and I hope you enjoyed it too. <laughs>
1: yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. You know, awesome. just talking and being as insane as my capabilities allow is one of the greatest things possible. And uh, I, I definitely like to talk abstract. I, I can prefer the normal way, but abstract is way more fun.
0: Abstract is very fun. It's really fun. I know people don't get it. And they're like, "Who is this crazy? But I got I got it. I think that's the reason why. It's just your abstract talking, your speaking. I yeah. picked it up. You know, I picked it up. I was like, oh, 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 I'm gonna speak like that too. <laughs> but uh thank you so much, Ellis. Appreciate it so much. You are like I said, you're a gem. Thank um, you. I look forward to doing some more uh collabs with you. In the future, you know, you're my boy, Blue. You're my boy. And (laughs) (laughs) but um, again, the shadow room is in. Peace out and everything. But thank you so much. And everybody, y'all have a good night. And thank you for joining the random horror show. Bye. Bye.
1: (laughs) The ghost of James Cameron will.